Coming up, as the Brooklyn Nets add another depth piece to their roster, this time in Lonnie Walker the fourth. we break down his impact, take a look at the Tyler Hero process, and whether or not the Damian Lillard market could pull the Brooklyn Nets out of adding a key young piece to their team as well. We dive in, coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, this is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie, owner-operator of DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to Fandle. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrecht, breaking down your New Jersey Devils on the Devils Puck Luck podcast with Danny McDonough. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are free on all those great platforms and let you know today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And Doug, we get to continue what is, I think, one a day. That's the Brooklyn Nets pace here. One a day, they do something. It was Cameron Johnson coming back. It was adding a player in Dennis Smith Jr. And now it's bringing in Lonnie Walker to this backcourt, which we'll start with and then continue to flesh out what this offseason looks like for Brooklyn. Yeah, look, somewhat surprising signing in a good way for the Nets uh, that came through on Sunday afternoon. You have to like that they continue a certain trend here to get younger, um, which we'll talk about a little bit as the podcast goes. In terms of Lonnie Walker, um, you know, they signed him to a one-year deal. The money was pretty low. Uh, the, I believe it's the veteran minimum. And you have to be you know, decently excited, I think, about not necessarily like a ground-shifting you know, championship piece, but in terms of a solid veteran we'll talk about the things that he does well and maybe you know the areas of his game that you know could use a little work or just maybe aren't there but in general bringing this just kind of again reducing the age bringing in upside-ish guys with a skill set that they desperately need um just in terms of like you know after having a watch them through the playoff run last year with this specific group yeah i think you have to be pretty happy with this as like a good, solid, rotational, functional piece coming off his time with the Lakers. And it's really funny, too, because you mentioned it there about getting younger. And you had this over on uh, out there in the Twitter verse of you go from Joe Harrison. These things aren't one to one replacements, but Joe Harrison. Well, they kind of are. No, no. Yeah. And yeah. And I guess the reality being that that you needed to replace two players that had almost no value over this past playoff run. No value with Patty Mills and Joe Harris was playing, but unfortunately producing almost no value. Right. So you go from 31 and 34 years old to 25 and 24 years old with Dennis Smith Jr. and now Lonnie Walker, respectively. The funny thing is you mentioned like Lonnie Walker, still just 24 years old, has 264 career NBA games like he is been around the league for a while which is important for the Brooklyn Nets I think to be getting younger and also bringing guys that that do have functional experience at the NBA level right this isn't taking players that I've advocated for just youth that is maybe on the fringe of a two-way looking to get into an NBA roster looking for maybe some back-end rotation minutes both these guys have value Lonnie Walker to me and we both agree has far more right now immediate value for the Brooklyn Nets the interesting thing when you look at his numbers to me Um, is you are, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you're looking at this last season, specifically with the LA Lakers and saying, okay, 
these are numbers that we can build off of, right? Because before this past year, he had never crested 44% from the field. He gets to 44, nearly 45% this past season. And then the three-point shooting, which two years ago was San Antonio, or 2021, I should say, shot over 35%, shot over 36% on over four attempts from beyond the arc. Just starting there on a true shooting percentage, by the way, too, of 57% true shooting percentage this past season, first time he had cleared 52 in true shooting percentage. So, like, everything about Lonnie Walker to me right now is, like, you just saw him start to take that little step, that little leap forward in key statistical areas. Now you're hoping that you actually get to catch him before he's ready to get a big deal, right? Before maybe some teams are going to be willing to dedicate some real money to him. Yeah, when it comes to Lonnie Walker, like, you know, you mentioned some of the shooting stuff specifically. What you're hoping to see from him, you know, probably on the nets more than anything else. Like you want to have a little bit on ball creation. They've really needed that from an offensive standpoint. He's been mostly kind of like a beyond the arc marksman for his career. We've seen him get out in transition at times. Uh, you know, and he has the athleticism, I think to do pretty well here. And actually for the nets might actually get an, an expanded offensive role different than what you saw him with the Lakers, where it's when you're playing with LeBron is going to sometimes be pigeonholed into sort of like one, one or two like sort of key areas. And that's all you're going to do. I think that actually there's a chance here. He goes back a little bit to what we saw in San Antonio, getting out in the transition, the usage rate a little bit higher, Hopefully the shooting sticks around at the 37% from three that we saw last year. He's 35% for his career. A lot of that is dipped down off the 21-22 season because most of the rest of the time he's been like, you know, 39% when he came into the league, 41% his second year. Like he's been a really, really good shooter. He just had a really down year in his last year in San Antonio, which dragged the overall, I think it's just served to drag the overall numbers down. I think the shots will probably look a little tougher here in Brooklyn than they looked in, in L.A. That's just to be expected based on sort of who's running the offense and who isn't. But in general, athleticism, young, probably still meat on the bone when it comes to like what you can grab from overall in his game. I just I can't really stress it enough. Like this is just the exact kind of moves the Nets needed to make. It's actually just very very different than the moves they've been making. Frankly, it's almost shocking. Like it's in some ways it's not shocking, but it's uh, refreshing to yeah. have these be some of the kinds of moves that they're making. And it hasn't been many, but in the aggregate and totality of the moves they made, based on who's gone out and who's come in. When I saw Lonnie Walker come across the wire here as the move, I was like, oh, nice, right? Like, this is just yeah. what they should – this is what they should be doing. And they just kind of need guys like this. They need guys – frankly, they just need guys who can dribble. <laughs> like, they have, they're, they're, they don't have tons of guys on the team that can dribble. And, and I know that sounds crazy, but it's just kind of true. <laughs> like, they just – No, I think that is – that, that, that to me is the theme, not only with Lonnie Walker, but even with Dennis Smith Jr. And, again, different maybe levels of expectations for these two players. Or I don't know, actually, because I started to think about – um, one other element that I want to get to in a second, but to your point, when you go and watch highlights, you go, these dudes are functional on the ball. And that's, it, that yeah. seems so silly to say, you know, at the NBA level, but when you go back and by the way, look at the two players that went out, Patty Mills is functional on the ball, but he's not functional, you know, at, at any point in his career. And then we not just put it into the Nets framework, but he was never a guy that was going to take somebody off the dribble, right? They just elevated their athleticism. Joe Harris was never going to be that guy for you. So both these players that they add and with Lonnie Walker specifically are just guys that you could say, hey, you get into an ISO matchup here 
where whenever you're on the court, you're going to be facing the lesser of the difficult defensive matchups, right? Because you're always going to have guys going to Mikhail Bridges, guys going to Cameron Johnson, guys going to Spencer Dinwiddie. So you should have a favorable matchup where you feel like you can take your guy on and then hopefully create effectively. In a second here, actually, what I found really interesting to take a look at now is not only how it impacts the the current net roster before any moves were made this offseason, but how do maybe Lonnie Walker and Dennis Smith Jr. potentially benefit and play well off one another if we're thinking about guys coming in off the bench and filling a specific role for this team? We'll dive into that coming up here in just one second. All right, before we get to that, tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel. Get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets. That's up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks, and you can land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can spend on everything from the money line to the over-under, who you think is going to hit the first home run. They got it all there for you on FanDuel. You can do all kinds of props. I mean, obviously, the money line, the run lines, it's all there for you. Want to get in some home run action, they have it there. Maybe some K pitcher Ks. I always like to throw some stuff in on there at FanDuel. No better place to bet on fan, bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official betting partner of Major League Baseball. Okay, so I mentioned there about how I think that Lonnie Walker coming in, I think that he can function well as you bring him overlapping in with the starting unit players because of the on-ball creation that he does. But then you go the step further and you look at Dennis Smith Jr. We talked about Dennis Smith Jr. He's not going to be a guy that you look for shooting first. Or if you're looking for shooting first, you've, you've made a horrible mistake. But he can still potentially improve in those areas. But as an on-ball facilitator in the backcourt, I, I, I can kind of look and see – Hey, second unit minutes, Dennis Smith Jr. is on the ball. He's downhill. He's attacking at the basket. He's trying to command some level of defensive attention. And Lonnie Walker, when you go and watch his highlights with the Lakers, as you mentioned, boy, this guy is a catch and shoot three. Like he can do that for you. So he doesn't need to have the ball in his hands to still be functionally successful. And when you think about the Nets roster currently, even beyond the guys that went out, there's players that that weren't quite serving either function can't just stand and wait and then knock down 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 a shot with consistency also cam thomas is the example needs the ball for far too long in his hands at times to ultimately get to a place where he's creative and usually that's that's singular that's iso creative it's not team creative and i think both these players function well in that way yeah, and actually it's funny maybe we'll talk about cam thomas here in a second because i think that some of these moves are Oh, it's the log defi- jam, buddy. Yeah, and, our definitive camp. Yeah, yeah, they're definitive Cam Jet Thomas blockers. You would say. Um. So and and they're not and they don't necessarily serve uh, another thing that the Nets possibly need here in terms of size, which we can also get to later. And I, you know, the uh, the free agency and offseason is not done for the Nets yet, and, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, no, I totally agree in terms of just roles, in terms of just um, malleability. And just being able to do not, not like they're offensively dynamic, either one of these guys, because really mm-hmm. Walker is just mostly a catch and shoot guy with a little slashing. I mean, that's like mm-hmm. that's pretty much the whole bag. But but it also still does feel like they 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 fit in more to a team concept while also being younger. Right. Like because, yep. again, you know, if we're just comparing him to Cam Thomas, let's say, or to be what the guy what like. So what if you think about what the other sort of big money guys, Ben Simmons aside on the Nets need, right? Mikhail Bridges and Cam Thomas. Let's call those two guys. And let's like leave Dinwiddie out of this because Dinwiddie 
you know, it's probably not going to be playing tons with, with Dennis Smith Jr., but but maybe. Mm-hmm. At times, what this offense really needed from D- was was just like was on-ball facilitation, like guys to get guys into the right spots, right? There's some hope that Dennis Smith Jr. is going to be able to bring that in off the bench. And guys that you could hope to make threes while also not just looking like total turnstiles and maybe get out into transition at times. And, that, and Walker does bring those things to the table, right? Like, I think we've been desperate for from basically since the really since the Durant trade, but I mean, kind of all the whole way is like athleticism and motor. Yeah. It hasn't felt like those have been two calling cards of what the Nets have really been throwing out there in the court. Now it's been fine when you have when you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and before that James Harden. Like you kind of don't need much else, right? Like you don't need a lot of this other stuff. We'll like do the athletic stuff. You be fun. Some warm bodies and sort of the right fit, and that's going to carry you a long way. The Nets are not in that situation anymore. They need specific kind of players now that can fill specific kinds of roles, but also be able to fill more than one role. And up until this point, they've been kind of just piecing it together with role players that are just very special, very, very specialized. Right. And I think that was the correct approach when you have the superstars because they don't have that anymore. And they really need to raise their floor pretty specific, mm-hmm. pretty significantly here because yep. of like, you know, they don't have their own draft picks and tanking is really not an option. These are the kind of guys that at least are good to take flyers on, right? I'm yeah. not saying they're, they're not organizational saviors by any stretch of the imagination, but they are more exciting flyers than the Mar- LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin. And, you know, the, the guys like this yeah. that we've kind of seen come in the door in the past that really just have kind of been one and done and see you later. And, and by the way, and there's there's things right now inside of this roster coming up. We, we're going to get back into the the Damian Lillard just trade market and what it could mean around that Tyler Hero discussion we had yesterday. But this, to me, is just fascinating to go in a little bit deeper on. Remember, like, you can also make the case, as constituted right now, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, right? Like, now, these are guys playing into the front court, and we're talking about backcourt additions here. But those guys are not taking anybody. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith is not breaking a guy down off the dribble, right? So you need to have that that elevation of athleticism to your point. And you can make the case, by the way, that even though you didn't need these type of players, a Lonnie Walker or a Dennis Smith Jr. when you have the superstars, we can make a strong case that they should have been getting guys like this instead of some of those veteran pieces because there is a limitation to your game. In theory, you say, well, LaMarcus Aldridge serves this very specific function and Blake Griffin does, but then all of a sudden it breaks down around a certain set of matchups and you go, Oh, well now these guys are unplayable, right? There will be times when the matchups will be bad for Dennis Smith jr. And for Lonnie Walker, but I don't think it's going to be that same relative idea of, well, that guy can't get on the court at all in this matchup, right? Because the skill set is at least baseline expectation. You said floor, right? You have a floor of expectation and consistency of what you can do. There'll be better and worse games for you, but there were nights when you could not play certain veterans because you knew they were going to get absolutely eaten alive. By the way, Patty Mills, right? Stick him on the court, switch. Let's go ahead and attack this guy, right? Joe Harris, just not functionally athletic enough defensively. Let's switch and pick on that matchup. So this is a, a smart process by the Brooklyn Nets, and I think, the last really notable thing is the Cam Thomas. Let's stay on that for a minute. These two moves to me scream. I, I think that coming into this year, Cam Thomas should be afforded every opportunity to get minutes. But what the Brooklyn Nets have decided to do here is put real clear players that have NBA-level experience between him and that role. And I think that Cam Thomas is going to have to prove consistently that he can function within a system, within a team, 
at the same or higher level because expectations are higher for him than these other two players. I, that that It seems like an organizational decision here to make sure they got some bodies that potentially could keep Cam Thomas on the outside looking in. Yeah, it doesn't. It sure seems like it. It sure seems like these are guys. I'm not sure they're going to play over him necessarily, nope. but they're at least they're at least going to challenge those minutes, right? Because there's a there is a a firm limit on how many ones and twos you can play at the same time. And you know these two guys are, I mean, at least like Harris, you can make a case that he would you could bump him up to three. He could guard some threes, right? Um, but he, but but in reality, but Mills really couldn't at all. These guys though, these guys are firmly like, you know point guard shooting guard and depending on where you label thomas like he can't play with everybody right like we haven't seen it to that we haven't he really can't facilitate an office he can score um like he's a scorer for sure he can he's got Mm -hmm. the scoring gene there's no dispute the guy can absolutely score but can he run an offense like that there's really not a ton of evidence of that there's really no evidence of it at all right it's either he's going to be scoring or that's kind of all you're getting hoping that the catch and shoot threes continue to come but like but that's it. Like you can't, if you put the ball in his hands, it's not a be offensive facilitation or off pick and roll. It's like, Hey, let Cam right. cook time. The, these guys, if, if you think that the, the game is a little more well-rounded or that they're just going to be able to, or they just outplay, or they just play over Cam Thomas. It's like, they're not so much older than him. <laughs> right. Like, 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 right, these, right there. Like they're, they're just a few years older than Cam. So I, it's hard to see these as anything else, but blockers for him going forward. I, I don't know what that means for the team or for him, or it wasn't, didn't look like the trajectory for him was to play tons because they just don't seem to ever want to play him. But these moves do not open the door for him for more playing time for him. They, they, they almost for sure mean less. And remember with both him and De'Aaron Sharp, the Nets have a fourth year option that they need to make a decision about on both these players. So I, I think in some way, this is again, we want, we want confirmation, right? So you put these, these potentials that could nip at your heels, Cam Thomas, when it's your opportunity, that if you're not functioning well with, within a, especially defensively, right? Just being, being that little speed bump for guys and listen, everybody, Dennis Smith, Jr. Six, two, you're talking about six, four with Lonnie Walker. The Nets didn't get enormous here with these moves, but they've no. made it so that I think you've, you've gotten far more competitive in that backcourt than you were a year ago. And that really matters. We'll continue by the way. This is clearly a, a, a conversation that goes all the way through the off season here for the Brooklyn Nets and and leading up to the start of next year coming up here in a second though let's get back into how the Nets are trying to potentially continue to improve themselves being in the discussions around Tyler Hero as a byproduct of a Damian Lillard to the Miami Heat trade is it in fact looking more difficult to accomplish that we discuss next Okay, so yesterday's episode, two episodes ago, because we're, we're turning them out here <laughs> when the free agency period is going, covering everything that's breaking. Um, th- this came out, as you and I see it, the Brooklyn Nets, while you can still say there's this low-level thing of could they still be in the conversations for Damian Lillard? They can be, as someone who gets a player like Tyler Hero that needs to be moved from Miami in order to get him there. However, in the last 24 hours, the, the list of teams – as it's come out that the Portland Trailblazers said, we respect Damian Lillard's decision to request a trade. However, we are not going to just send him where he wants to go. And you accurately pointed out the no trade clause for Bradley Beal. It was like, hey, you are restricted. So Portland was like, we love him. We respect him. Also, we're going where we get the best value. And that has opened up this team pool, including a team like Boston entering the fray here, which for some reason, I feel like should have gone on in everyone's head with Jalen Brown and what's happened the last couple of seasons there, et cetera. 
the more teams that get involved, I actually think it becomes harder for the Brooklyn Nets to get Tyler Hero because the Nets have draft capital to send back. They don't have player value, really, to send back specifically to Portland as they say they want to get younger and have potentially star power players. Yeah, look, I think this is set to go on for a while. I know everyone's going to pot with the Lillard thing. I think everyone's going to posture and say say the stuff. Like, Lillard's going to think that he's going to sort of demand the heat and may, he might end up there. The Blazers would be absolutely insane to take pennies on the dollar just to accommodate him because that will never get paid back to them. Like no superstar is ever going to look at that and be like, they did right by their guy. Nobody cares about that. Once you do it, it's over. So they'd be not, it'd be nuts, nuts to, to uh, accommodate them. I think <laughs> the, the Nets him did fully. right by Kevin Durant sending him to Phoenix. And that was great. Why? Because they got back Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson for first round picks, and Sean Marks by the way, bargain. Yes, which by the way they would have not have gotten if he when they had done it the first trade demand. Right. Remember, if everyone forgets, he asked for a trade right around the same time as Lillard, and the Nets were like, nah, <laughs> you know, like oh, same sort of contract length, same sort of contract length, same sort of like, hey, you just signed the extension. Sorry, you don't want to be here. We're not mm-hmm. just going to trade you to anybody just cause now wait six months and they, you know, Phoenix gets a new owner and they want to make the big splash and they send everything. Great. It was, it paid to wait. The, I, it, the Blazers would be nuts to not use that as the proxy for, or as for this kind of situation, just say, if, if there's only one team now, Hey, hopefully there'll be next, another team within the next two years, because you're here right. under contract for a long, long time. All this to be said, I do not. And I agree with you. If more teams get into this, the, the the less the Nets seem likely because it does not feel like the Nets are in this on a trade route for Lillard himself. Like they don't, that doesn't, there's no legs to that at all. No. And two, right. Like we talked before, if they were only sort of just a landing spot for a, for Tyler hero to begin sending other things out, that becomes way less likely if other teams get involved too. And I think other teams won't need them to facilitate it as much. So I, my guess is, I mean, these things change by the second we can record this and, and within an hour be wrong. So that's how the offseason just goes. But it sure doesn't seem like this is impending. Right. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. I like there's there's I think the, I think the Blazers coming out and signaling we're not sending you there for some garbage thing. So just don't even bother waiting for that. Right. That was pretty definitive to me that at least not it's not going to happen quickly. Yeah, and it's funny, too. Somebody pointed this out about, I think it was LeBron James before he announced going to the Miami Heat years ago. It was like day 13 of free agency. He waited almost two full weeks before he made that announcement. And we said that even on the even on the small moves, right, Nets fans, and I get it. It's like, you're like, when are you going to make it? When is it going to happen? It's like, it's been two days. It's been three days. Like, it hasn't. There's still, there's no moratorium on when these, these free agency moves can ultimately happen. And if you're Portland, I think you just keep letting more teams reevaluate right hey what were we thinking do we do we do we believe in this star player or this fringe right a a 1b a 2a player that a team once looked at as a building block suddenly goes maybe we can shake him loose in order to add a player like Damian Lillard and when it comes to Tyler Hero and the Brooklyn Nets I'll also just mention too that I I don't know what Portland's intentions are but even Tyler Hero depending on what Portland does with their roster and like that he might make sense going back to Portland in a trade like this. Like everyone keeps talking about, eh, and then Tyler here will get cast off somewhere. There is a version of it where Tyler ends up in Portland because he's 23 years old and the contract isn't terrible. And they could always look to move that down the road. Like there's a, there's more than one Avenue to this. And I think once a certain narrative develops, you get locked into it. Right. 
Obviously, it'll be Tyler Hero getting just dumped. And we'll close out on this thought, too. I have been alarmed by the way everyone talks about it. They're like, ah, the Nets or any team. Ah, they're doing such a solid taking Tyler Hero's contract. Like, they, they got to be given something to take that money. Yes, Miami needs to move that money, but it it is not at the level of even Ben Simmons, $37, $40 million, who hasn't been playing, who hasn't been healthy. We don't know what he's going to be. Like, Tyler Hero has value. So the the idea that this is such an easy, oh, just throw him our way. We won't have to send anything out. We'll dump DFS somewhere else. Call it a day. I just don't think that that is realistic in getting Tyler Hero onto the Brooklyn Nets or any team getting Tyler Hero and just looking at it as a simple salary dump. There's more to it when you're dealing with a 23-year-old player. Of course, of course. Uh, people get, I, I do think that the, I agree with you. People tend to sort of get pigeonholed in their own thought process around whether something's a good or a bad value, right? Like, and the second they think it becomes, like, for instance, the second something be- seems to be a little rich or a little overpaid, it's all of a sudden this massive negative. Like, this is not the case. Right. It's just not, it's just not true, right? Like, just because something is a little expensive doesn't mean it's, negative value it just means it's a little expensive mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're <laughs> right. trying to just a little more you know, send it out of the town on the next train and like literally anything will take from it. that's just I, I think sometimes there becomes this binary thought process around it's either one good or zero bad and there's nothing in between like tyler heroes is a really young good nba player who yeah. is probably 20 at 15 to 20 percent overpaid by the current CBA and could definitely be underpaid by the next one. You know what I mean? So I just, mm-hmm. I, there's just, but, but I think once you start to look at this in just a good or bad, that is really where you kind of screw yourself up on a thought process. Cause it's just not that. And we've seen some of these contracts. I'm just looking at some of the contracts that have been signed. Some have been sort of head scratchers around, you know, who got paid what mm-hmm. on both sides. It's like Dylan Brooks got paid a ton of money. Fred Van Vliet just got a max contract, max, right? <laughs> like, I get there's contact. Roy Hachimura got completely paid after being dumped by second-round picks. Austin Reeves was, like, a not undrafted guy who's, you know, for some reason teams weren't offering offer sheets. Like, there's just yeah. Bruce Brown just got paid $21 million a year. I, like, you can't tell me after seeing some of those contracts that Tyler Hero is, like, a negative value. There's just no way. There's just, it's not, it doesn't even, it's not even, it's intellectually dishonest. So anyway, this is my, and, I don't even know if no, I no. answered your question or if you even if you had a question, I started just got excited <laughs> about getting worked up about that. Did but, you ask yeah, me anything? Let me just clarify. Yeah, I don't remember. Here. But, but, and the last note that I'll make here, which was um, Eric Slater brought this up uh, in, a, in a few different platforms and having like a lot of roundabout discussions, Lucas Kaplan, we were talking, you know, through, through Twitter as well around the money piece of it, just if the Brooklyn Nets are pursuing where they can end up with Tyler Hero, there's a very functional way after shedding the Patty Mills money that they may have to say move a Dorian Finney-Smith, but then you can still exist with Ben Simmons' money on the books, with adding Tyler Hero's money onto the books, and not have it affect that apron, that luxury tax threshold, which is so critical for the Nets this offseason, because that's that, that was a big factor to it. And as you and I think often just acknowledge, you got to have, you know, a degree in physics to figure out cap. And I know those two things don't connect, but in some ways they do. And it was just a good reminder that they can get to this place and not damage their long-term outlook while still bringing in value and maintaining what, what could end up being a value with Ben Simmons on this roster. 
Yeah, for sure. And I, you look, we're still only a few days, like you mentioned before, still only a few days in the free agency. I, there's other things that are going to probably end up happening here. The Nets, I believe, yeah. have two more roster spots. I, I can't remember exactly how many roster spots they have. And, and in a later episode, we'll talk about just get the guys they haven't signed, um, which is to say they still are desperate for size and rebounding, and they have not done a single thing to address that right now, as of right now, and a problem that was very glaring last year and the year before and the year before that um, <laughs> which is still almost definitely going to be a problem for them uh, this season, unless something is done there. So we can, we can talk a little bit about guys that have not, or the archetype of guys that have not been signed either. In the meantime, make sure that you are subscribed to locked on nets over on YouTube. The number has been amazing. I really can't, we really can't say enough. I like these last couple episodes, especially the Damian Lillard, Tyler hero one. I it's one of our best episodes and we so many new subscribers yes. really appreciate it. So many comments. It's really just so awesome. Rolling through the off season. You think you're going to, you know, be like, ah, it's winding down. The season's over. Nope. YouTube, ramp it up. Make sure you subscribe over to Locked On Nets over at YouTube. We must use time wisely and forever realize that the time is always ripe to do right. Why, that's Nellie Mandela. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.